0: Hey there, friends! Welcome to the Taking Your Next Step podcast from Collegians for Christ. Through each episode, we will journey together, focusing on knowing what you believe and why you believe it. If you are eager, like I am, to strengthen your faith and take your next step now, by joining us in today's episode, we've been examining the importance of the resurrection. In our next two episodes, we're going to look at what the resurrection produces in our lives, practically speaking. So let me ask you this. Have you ever been accused of something before? Now, how does that make you feel? Maybe you've been accused of something you did not do. What happens? You become defensive. You can even become angry, frustrated. You want to clear your name. But sometimes even when we're accused of something that we know we're guilty of doing, many times we may feel the guilt, but sometimes our defenses still go up. Uh, because we don't like to be accused of something. Now, if I told you there is someone accusing you right at this very moment, How would you feel? You'd be like, who is it? I mean, who's accusing me? What did I do? And you'd want to clear it up. But right now, according to Scripture, you and I have someone that is accusing us, not just once or twice, but day and night. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, it says this, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down. And watch this, which accused them before our God day and night. And then it goes on to say, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And so we come to one of probably one of the most favorite truths uh, in Scripture for me uh, is the fact that we have an advocate. We have a court appointed defense attorney on our side. And so I want to look at that on today's episode. And this is what the resurrection produces in our life. And so, we're, first of all, as we consider this, we have to understand that we have an accuser. And we learn quickly that Satan is our accuser. He stands before God, accusing who? Believers day and night. Now, we understand our visible world is subject to the work of an unseen world. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about that. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against spiritual uh, wickedness in high places. Uh, so the world is dark to us, but we lie very open to it. Now we see in the book of Job kind of how this accusation goes down. It really gives us a clear picture of what is going on here in Revelation chapter number 12. Uh, we understand a little bit about Job, that he was a perfect man. Uh, he was upright, one that is true with evil. And then we find out quickly here, it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan, came also among them and the Lord said unto Satan whence comest thou then Satan answered the Lord and said from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it and then they have this conversation so first of all we understand and it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around but that Satan has access to appear before God we see the angels coming before God uh, whether they're worshiping praising uh, getting their job duties We don't know, but they're presenting themselves there before the Lord, and Satan comes and begins to have access and a conversation. Now, he begins to accuse Job here before God. He says, Doth Job fear God for naught? Basically, have you not bought him off? If you'll remove everything from him, he'll curse you to thy face. And so we see that Satan accuses us of our sins before God, and what Satan accuses us of many times is true, but it's not always true. As we see, Job did not respond the way Satan said. He would. But as Satan comes and says, Look, look what she did, look what he did. He is right. But notice in our passage what overcomes Satan and his accusations. It's the blood of the Lamb. Where was the blood of the Lamb uh instituted? It was on the cross, and the blood became effectual, it became powerful because of the resurrection. And then there's another little passage here uh, that's very interesting that they overcame him by the word of their testimony. That's very interesting that that's added there. It could have just simply saying said they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. But also it says, and by the word of their testimony. You know, when people accuse us, and especially when they accuse you wrongly, and unfortunately at some point in your life, probably already or maybe in the future, someone will accuse you of something you have not done. Someone may try to accuse you based on your faith. They may try to accuse you of being a hypocrite, of not being a true Christ follower, of trying to find faults and trying to label you, if you will, in a negative way to accuse you against your faith, against your God, against your 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 jesus and one way to silence the accusations of people is by the word of our testimony it's by our life people can call us hypocrites and by the word of our testimony we can tell people look we're not perfect we are just forgiven and sometimes people think people maybe christians paint this perfect picture but that's not what we are as believers you and i are sinners every single day what satan accuses us of is accurate We are sinners simply forgiven. And so our lives can silence the accusations of those around us. So that's why it's so important that you and I live our life as a follower of Jesus Christ, not as a uh, list of rules. Uh, We get Christianity wrong when we go by a list of rules. We understand we're free from the law. It doesn't mean we still do not do certain things and not do certain things based on God's word and God's Ten Commandments and so forth. But we don't strive to live our life by a list of rules. We strive to live our life in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, to emulate him. To take our next step, which is the title of our, our podcast, we're always constantly emphasizing that, to be a better follower of Jesus Christ. So we understand we have an accuser, but we quickly learn in the book of First John, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you and I have an advocate. And so what is the work of an advocate? Well, an advocate supports or speaks in favor of someone. When you think about someone who is advocating for a, uh, a nonprofit or a special cause or some type of social cause. They're for it and they're passionate about it. When you think about an advocate, it's someone who pleads the case with and for someone else. It's someone who acts or intercedes on behalf of another. best way to think about it is a defense attorney or a legal advisor. Now, Romans chapter 8, verses 33 and 34 kind of give us the, uh, the job description, if you will, of an advocate. And this is Jesus Christ being the advocate here. But in Romans chapter 8, verse 33, uh, the Bible says this. It says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who can accuse you of anything? Watch this. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. There is the power of the resurrection because he's risen again. Watch this. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So he stands between you and God, and there he makes intercession for us. So the position of an advocate is he stands with or in the place of the accused. He stands between the accuser and and the accused, the advocate speaks for the accused. And so when you and I sin, we have an advocate with the Father. First John chapter number one talks about the fact if we have sin, we say we've not sinned, then we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. There's there's not this thing of we have no sin. We can achieve sinless Perfection. That's not biblical. Now, we should strive for being a follower of Jesus Christ and not allow that to be a, uh, a crutch or an excuse. We still want to strive for perfection, but we understand the flesh is always there, and it will be a battle. Paul talked about it in numerous places, the, the internal struggle that you and I face every single day. He says if we, have, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And he says, my little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. That's the goal. Don't sin. But he says this, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Think about that. The goal is not to sin, but he says, guess what? When you sin, because you're going to sin, we have an advocate with the Father and Jesus Christ, as far as Jesus Christ the righteous. So our advocate is Jesus Christ the the righteous. Jesus Christ is the believer's advocate, You, but you must be a believer in order to have this advocate. So what exactly is Jesus Christ doing as our advocate? I think the most simplest way to understand this is to illustrate it with a courtroom. Now, I'm sure you've seen some type of courtroom uh, situation on TV, whether it's Judge Judy, Judge Mathis, whatever new judge show, or maybe just in a TV program, or maybe you've been unfortunate and you've gone into the courtroom and you've been on the wrong side of the courtroom. But walk with me, if you will, through the big double doors, typically, as you walk in and to your left and right. There's usually chairs for an audience to sit, maybe jury selection. When you go a little further, you're going to come to maybe a half wall, and there may be some doors there. There may not be. But as you go forward, you look straight ahead, and there's the the, the seat, the judgment seat, the the uh, where the judge sits facing out. And so you walk in, and you see the judge there looking at you. As you walk up, you'll see a table on your left and a table on your right. On the left is where the, the defendant will sit. That's where you're going to sit. On the right, there is the prosecution, and there sits Satan. And so you walk in, and you take your seat at the defense table. And there's someone sitting beside you, but you don't quite see who they are. Now the judge begins the proceedings, and he asks for the prosecution to present their case. And Satan begins to list out every single sin that you've ever committed. And it takes a while for him to continue and to continue. And he lists it out, presents his case, and then the judge looks over and says, now it's your turn to make your case, defense. And all you can say is, I'm guilty. Every single thing that Satan said, I've done. I'm guilty. And so the judge asks you, how would you like to plead then? And right before you say guilty, and right before that gavel is to drop down to convict you of being guilty, that court-appointed defense attorney speaks up. All of a sudden, he begins to say something. He begins to engage the judge. And right before that gavel comes hammering down to convict you of all your sin, this court-appointed attorney defense attorney raises his hands with nails in them. This court appointed defense attorney begins to pull back the side of his coat and shows the scar on his side where he was pierced. And then the, the nails in his feet. And he says, I stand here on behalf of, and put your name there. And just as that gavel comes down, rather than when it hits the, the bench, rather than him saying guilty, he says innocent. Innocent of all charges. You see, Jesus pleads for the child of God before God. We say nothing. Jesus speaks before the judge because all we could say is, "I'm, I'm guilty. But Jesus Christ is our advocate because of his righteousness. Jesus can be our advocate only because he lived a sinless life. And because he lived a sinless life and he went to the cross and he died in our place, he shed his blood by the remission of sins, there must be bloodshed. And because you and I accept him as our Savior, he becomes our advocate. He takes our place. And so we stand before God in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So what does our sin look like before God? We talked about we can't arrive or achieve sinless perfection because we have that internal struggle. As believers, we strive not to sin, but we will and do. But as God looks before us, our standing before God is we are righteous or without sinners. Now think about that. How on earth can sinners stand before God as sinless? That's the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, when we believe on Jesus Christ, we receive the free gift of eternal life, and receiving the gift also means receiving the payment for our sins made by Jesus Christ. He paid your fine. It's like you're walking into the court to go pay your fine, and they say, I'm sorry, your account's settled. It's already been paid. Someone came in and paid it for you. Jesus Christ took the payment. For your sin on that cross and it's added to your account. So God looks at Jesus's work on the cross rather than our sins in the judicial uh, proceedings. As God looks at our sins, it's gone. It's wiped away. God did not look away from your sin. Jesus paid for your sin. You see, a just and holy God cannot just brush it under the rug. It must be dealt with. And Jesus Christ dealt with it. And the resurrection allows him to be your advocate. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Think about that. All of our sins, past, present, and future were placed on Jesus. It's not that, okay, all the ones until I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior are gone. No, all your sins are in the future from the time that Jesus died on the cross. So all of your sins are forgiven. It took me a little while as a young Christian to understand this, that we're supposed to as believers confess our sins. I couldn't understand that because I was told biblically that when I accepted Jesus Christ, my sins were forgiven. So why on earth would I need to ask for forgiveness for sins that are already forgiven? And I understand 1 John 1, 9 tells us that. It's biblical. We must do that. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It was that verse that helped me to understand as believers, we still must confess our sins. And it's not to uh, have the judicial side taken care of. It's to have our relationship with him confessed and clean and taken care of. Because Psalm 103 says that our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. Think about that. Now, if you were to, if that verse had said from north to south, if you travel north to south, you will hit a pole, north pole, south pole, where it stops. But the east and the west, there is no stopping point when God says he's cast your sins as far as the east is from the west, they can never come back. The west just keeps going around and around and around. There's nothing to stop the west. You can always continually travel west. But if you go north, you're going to come to the top of the north, to the pole. If you're going to go south, you go to the bottom of the the earth, the south pole. So what has God done with our sins? They're so far removed that they'll never be counted against us. Why? Because we have an advocate. So I have to ask you, is Jesus your advocate? Have your sins been forgiven? Even though you may mess up and sin daily as a believer, guess what? Your sins are forgiven. You stand before God forgiven because of Jesus Christ. And therefore, you have access to a holy God. You don't have to have someone else pray for you or mediate for you. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is there at the right hand of God making making intercession for you. So you have access to God for prayer. You have access to God for fellowship, for love, for guidance, for safety. And guess what? We can have peace with God and therefore peace with ourselves. And We need to thank God today for Jesus Christ and the resurrection and live a confident Christian life.